Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. People were like, I was actually talking about with Eric Weinstein, and he was like, I mean, I can't vote for Biden. And he goes, I can't vote for Trump. And I go, I would vote for Trump before I'd vote for Biden, just because I think with Biden, like, he's no, he's, he's gone. Like, you know, he's gone. It's, you're going to be relying on his cabinet. And I knew his cabinet would be this fucking sideshow of diversity, and which is exactly what it is. I mean, let, that one person who stole all the women's clothes, oh, yeah. that Sam Brinton, we, we highlighted on the podcast yesterday, like, that's a diversity hire. You, you just said, oh, look at this. A man who dresses like a woman and has a beard and a mustache, but also wears lipstick. This is perfect for us. I don't give a fuck what this guy's good at or bad at. I don't give a fuck what their credentials are. This makes us look like we're inclusive. This makes us look like we're on the right side. So let's let's hire this person. And that those are the you can't have those kind of people running a Ben and Jerry's. You <laughs> you certainly can't have those kind of people running the fucking most powerful government the world's ever known. It's nuts. It's nonsense. What they've been able to do is introduce contentious issues to the forefront of the culture that prevent the kind of alliances that are necessary taking place. The reason yes. that when I'm over here, I'm having conversations uh, in addition to the great privilege of coming on your show with like you know going on Bill Maher or going on to Tucker or Ben Shapiro is because I feel like I will, there's got to be a new conversation around politics we can't just stay in these little camps now like right. every day I feel sometimes that Joe Biden is the perfect president for the time because he's like the perfect metaphor of what it is this system is over and for all of the talk of diversity what have you got You've got a, like a career politician, white male that's falling apart before your very eyes. It's telling you that it's bullshit yes. and that they'll put people in positions in order to carry that narrative. Yeah. But for no other reason, because I don't truly believe that they deeply care about those ideas. And even if they do deeply care, the, those, the decisions they're making are decisions that are in alignment with the agenda of Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, yes. with centralized yes. banking authority. It's not going to change the world for any of them. They've managed to turn make ordinary American people hate one another like on the basis of a 50-50 split you can't criminalise half of a country and say that they're far right fascists any more than you can say that in, in my view extreme leftists these kind of these kind of issues oughtn't be what's determining how a country is run and when they are the issues that determine how a country is run the powerful run amok the elites are able to pursue right. their agenda just fine and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast it is the 7th of March year of our lord 2023, and I thought that was a really good way to start this show, which you probably already know is going to be about Antifa and Tucker's J6 videos. I just got done watching. Um, I saved it for the morning, got done with my walk, and I pushed play, and me and my wife was like, holy shit. And I we were going to go out and do some errands, and she said, you're staying home, go podcast, because she knew that's what I would want to do. Um, because it's just garbage. And I'm adjust to position 
both of these incidents. One is being completely ignored in the media. Only have one soundbite. And the other has been lied about for over two years. So these are the tree forest elf freakazoids who attacked the Atlanta training facility once again. For those listening on uh, the MP3 file, not watching the video, it will be silent for a few chunks of this because there was only surveillance video with no sound.
This is the Cop City site. Construction vehicles are up in flames. It's like a trailer for uh, the construction crew. About to be up in flames. Smoke bombs. Cops just seem to watch. Now, the interesting part of this is, as you can see, there was an SPLC member there. These people will not become like the QAnon shaman. You won't hear about them. But look at them. Those are the people all out of town, by the way, who came in to destroy a center. They won't be national names. You'll never hear of them. They'll go by the wayside because they won't even get charged. They will walk after destroying property. I mean, they're getting covered as, you know, charged with domestic terrorism, but it won't happen. SPLC, which labels you and me domestic terrorists for just having opinions on things. Every group, including black people or white nationalists, they are part of this problem. They are part of the disease that is tearing America apart because we have two standards of justice. We have two standards of everything. If you're on their team... You're good. You're good to go. Burning equipment. That picture won't turn into a J6 picture. It won't be plastered. It wasn't even covered. And once again, you're going to get articles like this. This is a true fucking article from NBC, arrest Atlanta cop city protests raise concern over domestic terrorism charges. Critics of such laws, including civil rights groups, say they can be politicized and used against marginalized groups or those disliked by the government. Well, the government is Democrat and they dislike conservatives ultra mega. I didn't hear that 
on J6. I didn't hear it for the shaman who got four years of prison. I, I didn't hear any of this. And being that everything is woke now, the FBI explicitly avoids counting Antifa and BLM violence as left-wing domestic terrorism so it can manufacture political favorable statistics. It also lets them avoid the question of why groups like SPLC can get away with coordinating with domestic terrorist organizations. And remember, the FBI uses SPLC for most of their data. Every town. PolitiFact. It's all connected. They're fronts for Democrats, and they get to label veterans groups. Anything that is non-progressive gets labeled domestic terrorism, white supremacy, white Christian nationalists. I got two sound bites on a coordinated attack from our media because it's the good guys burning shit once again. Now to Atlanta, the violence scene at the site of a police training center. More than 100 people clashing with police, nearly two dozen people tonight charged with domestic terrorism. Surveillance video showing protesters tossing firecrackers and Molotov cocktails, setting equipment on fire. Tonight, at least 23 people have been arrested. Only two were actually from Georgia. ABC's Elwin Lopez in Atlanta for us. Tonight, nearly two dozen people facing domestic terrorism charges after a violent clash with Atlanta police. This was a very violent attack. Officials say agitators, most from out of state, breached the construction site of a police training facility critics dubbed Cop City after splintering off from a peaceful protest. The crowd, some dressed in black, seen here launching what authorities have called a coordinated attack, hurling rocks, fireworks, and Molotov cocktails, setting equipment ablaze. When you throw Molotov cocktails, large rocks, a number of items at officers, your only intent is to harm. SWAT teams and police swarming the area. One officer seen taking a protester down with a stun gun. This was about anarchy, and this was about the attempt to destabilize. Environmentalists occupying the site, all in an effort, they say, to save the wooded area, also arguing that training facility would militarize police. In January, rioters smashed windows, setting a cruiser on fire. This just days after officials say activist Manuel Teran shot a trooper and was then killed by law enforcement. And tonight, some protesters accusing police in this latest incident of violating civil rights, saying in part that this, quote, reaffirms that this cop training facility should never be built. Tonight, 23 people are charged with domestic terrorism after a violent protest at the site of a planned police and fire training facility near Atlanta. Activists dressed all in black attacked the construction site and officers late Sunday with fireworks, Molotov cocktails, rocks and bricks. The police chief says many of those arrested were from outside Atlanta and their goal was anarchy. Alarming scenes outside Atlanta where police say they faced a coordinated attack by rioters at the site of a planned police training facility. Tonight, more than 20 people are charged with domestic terrorism. Blaine Alexander has late details. In Atlanta, a chaotic clash. Atlanta police released this video that they say shows rioters throwing fireworks at officers and setting construction vehicles and a trailer on fire. In the end, 23 charged with domestic terrorism.
We throw Molotov cocktails, large rocks, a number of items at officers. Your only intent is to harm. Police call it a coordinated attack by violent agitators. Of the 23 arrested, only two are from Georgia. While protesters say it all started at a family-friendly music festival and that officials used excessive force to arrest some who were not involved. All of it centered around a planned public safety training center that opponents have dubbed Cop City. The planned site is right here, 85 acres just outside of Atlanta, a training facility for both Atlanta police and fire. Now, officers have been stationed nearby, but they say they're going to increase their presence in the coming days. Officials touted as a way to improve community policing. This is where your community and neighborhood watch programs will, will learn uh, uh, how to uh, keep your neighborhood safe. But critics say it will do just the opposite. 90 acres of the forest are going to be destroyed right away to build Cop City. So we see this as a further militarization of the police. This is the latest flashpoint in a fight that has stretched well over a year. In January, a protester was killed. A Georgia State Patrol trooper injured. Tonight Breaking overnight chaos in Atlanta. More than 100 people clashing with police with explosives and Molotov cocktails. Fire and chaos. Authorities saying more than 100 people used the cover of a peaceful protest to carry out a coordinated attack on police officers at the so-called Cop City. And this was about anarchy. What we know this morning as the FBI gets involved. We're going to begin with the overnight ride in Atlanta. It erupted outside a police training facility with explosives and Molotov cocktails thrown at officers. This is the Defend the Atlanta Forest Movement, and they have events scheduled all week. They're mostly environmentalists who've been trying to save a wooded area and have argued that the new training center would militarize police. Police in Georgia this morning say they were attacked in a violent protest at the construction site of the new Atlanta Public Safety Training Center. They say protesters who had just left a nearby music festival threw explosives and Molotov cocktails at police officers and set equipment on fire. Authorities say there were more than 100 people and that this was a coordinated attack. This new police center was approved by both Republicans, Democrats across the city and state, white, black, and brown. Breaking overnight, violent clash. Protesters in Atlanta attacking officers and damaging property at the construction site of a police training center. Dozens arrested after what's being described as a coordinated criminal attack. It happened at the future site of a police training center. Overnight in Atlanta, a chaotic clash between protesters and police, all on the site of a planned police training facility. Police point to a group of what they call outside agitators, saying they left an event nearby, changed into black clothing, and mounted a coordinated attack on construction. And to show you how butt blind we are and why CNN has such low ratings, this is what they were airing during the time. An interview with Dr. Biden. She's not a f Were you able to keep tabs on him when oh, he yeah. was, how do, well, did you communicate text, through text? You know, yeah, through text. Was he texting you on the train? Well, he was, uh, no, he wasn't texting me on the train. But, you know, it was in the back of my mind. And uh, so, I mean, I was kind of aware that he was, you know, safe and uh, I just said a lot of prayers. Yeah. Have you had the chance to talk to him about this trip yet? Oh yeah, we've spoken a couple times and FaceTimed and uh, so yeah, and he looks great. I mean, so he doesn't look tired or, uh, yeah. How often do you guys FaceTime? I don't know, a couple times a day. Even if you're in, just in DC? 
or when sure. you're traveling? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm traveling. I'm at work. Yeah. I mean, um, he calls. <laughs> he calls a lot. Does he call you more, or do you call him more? <laughs> um, I think he calls me more. <laughs> I want to turn to another um, issue that has come up amongst Republicans a lot, and your son Hunter mm -hmm. has really been a target for Republicans over the years and likely will be in the years to come. How does your family deal with that intense focus on Hunter? We deal with it by just, I guess, have a different perspective. I mean, I love Hunter uh, and I'll support him in any way I can, and that's how I look at things. I wanted to turn back to one campaign question. Uh, <laughs> you and I... You're not giving up. No, oh, no I'm not. But <laughs> See? It's, you're saying everybody's asking you. There you go. Everyone's Rana. asking you. Do you ever worry about how grueling a campaign might be on him? I think every campaign is grueling. I don't care whether you're 20, 30, or whatever age. Campaigns now have become really grueling and I'll let you you know you've been on a lot of campaigns you have to see the difference between that's what they were recording that is what they'd rather cover than people attacking and burning stuff down it's what they do Mostly peaceful protesting. So we get the Tucker tapes. And this first one is going to be him talking about it. And everything he's about to say is 100% true. The real crime, they will tell you again and again, is not what happened on Election Day 2020. The real crime is what happened two months later on January 6th when Donald Trump led an insurrection against the duly elected American government. To prove that claim and to divert attention from the details of the presidential election itself, Democrats in Congress impaneled what they called the House Select Committee on the January 6th attack. The point of that committee was to prevent Donald Trump from running for president again. In December of last year, committee members voted unanimously to refer Trump to the Department of Justice for criminal prosecution. Mission accomplished. But what the committee did not do was explain what happened inside the Capitol on January 6th. Three weeks ago, thanks to the new Republican Speaker's Office, we gained access to thousands of hours of surveillance video that helped answer that question. The January 6th committee had access to this very same tape and watched much of it. But as we're about to show you, committee members lied about what they saw and then hid the evidence from the public as well as from January 6th criminal defendants and their lawyers. That is unforgivable. Whatever you think of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, he rectified that crime, and we are grateful that he did. Before we show you the tape, a few words on the process. Our producers had unfettered access to the Capitol surveillance video. Neither the Speaker's office nor our bosses at Fox News interfered in any way with our investigation. Of the 40,000 or so hours of tape, most of it turned out to be irrelevant, static shots of empty rooms, in some cases far from the Capitol itself. To find relevant videotape, our producers were given use of Capitol computers with advanced mapping software that made it easy to find what we were looking for. What we didn't have was access to facial recognition software, and that was significant. For more than two years, we have wondered why some in the crowd that day who seemed to be inciting violence 
were never indicted for it. We assumed these were federal agents of some sort. We still assume that. And in fact, there were many examples of behavior we saw in those tapes that didn't seem to make sense. Men in civilian clothes holding doors open for protesters, escorting others through the Capitol, etc. We would love to know who these people were. But as of tonight, we don't know. And because we don't know, we're not going to put their faces on the screen and suggest they were federal agents. That would be irresponsible. So there were many mysteries we could not solve. Among them, unfortunately, is the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. From the evidence we have, the publicly available evidence, it seems clear that Babbitt was murdered by a Capitol Hill police officer called Michael Byrd. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed. She was shorter in stature than average. She posed no conceivable threat to anyone. But beyond that, we can only speculate about what happened. There were no security cameras near the speaker's lobby where Ashley Babbitt was killed. And one more thing. Virtually no one in Washington, Republican or Democrat, certainly not in the news media, wanted to see this tape released tonight. That's why it's remained hidden for more than two years. In recent weeks, the usual hyenas in Congress and on cable news have been howling about we are putting lives at risk by showing this tape to the public. Given that these are the very same people who support open borders and defunding the police, it is hard to take their complaints seriously. But we do take security seriously. So before airing any of this video, we checked first with the Capitol Police. We're happy to say their reservations were minor, and for the most part, they were reasonable. In the end, the only change that we made was in blurring the details of a single interior door in the Capitol building. You're unlikely even to notice it when we show you, and we are confident it does not affect our reporting. With that, here's the video. It doesn't answer every question from January 6th, far from it. But it does prove beyond doubt the Democrats in Congress, assisted by Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, lied about what happened that day. They are liars. That is conclusive. And that fact should prevent them from ever being taken seriously again. With that, here is the video. It doesn't answer every question from January 6th. Far from it. But it does prove beyond doubt the Democrats in Congress, assisted by Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, lied about what happened that day. They are liars. That is conclusive. And that fact should prevent them from ever being taken seriously again. We're going to begin tonight with footage that shows you what was actually happening inside the Capitol. The footage does not show an insurrection or a riot in progress. Instead, it shows police escorting protesters through the building, including the now infamous QAnon shaman. Watch. It's not like it's a surprise. We pretty much already knew that they were going to manufacture something. They needed a Trump fill-in. And for them, the Trump fill-in was J6. Because um, what's better than just labeling 50% of the country as garbage humans? But all the video that he showed is exactly what we saw in little cuts that they accidentally released. People... Walking around, taking pictures. Were they trespassing? Yes. But there was no damage. There was no gording. There was no nothing. And we must remember that when we started this charade, they instantly accused Republicans of escorting people. And I don't think I got any of those videos. I'm not going to play the whole show, but there's just total proof that nobody did it. They didn't even attend the riot. They were just constituents. 
But they went out after Republicans because they were trying to use this as, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. And the first one was Josh Hawley. And this video was played. The journalist in the crowd, which remember when the J6 hearing was going on, it was all journalists, laughed. He thought it was so funny. But as in everything with our media, because this was run by ABC, it was deceptively edited. Here's actually Hawley in a group of other people getting moved, and he's the last person not leading the charge. When the committee wasn't accusing Republican office holders of planning riots on January 6th, it was accusing them of running away from those riots like cowards. In the case of Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, the committee and their allies accused him of both. Josh Hawley is a To prove that Josh Hawley was a coward, the committee released video of him loping out of the building on the afternoon of January 6th with a police escort. The tape became a staple on social media. Democrats laughed with derision. Later that day, Senator Hawley fled. After those protesters, he helped to rile up, stormed the Capitol. See for yourself. But in fact, the surveillance footage we reviewed shows that famous clip was a sham, edited deceptively by the January 6th committee. The clip was propaganda, not evidence. The actual videotape shows that Hawley was one of many lawmakers being ushered out of the building by Capitol Hill police officers. And in fact, Hawley was at the back of the pack. The coward tape was a lie, one of many from the January 6th committee. One of many, one of many is for certain. Thomas Massey serves in the Congress. He did then, he does now. There were two poster childs for this. Sisnick for being killed on duty and the QAnon shaman. And anybody who was objective at looking at J6, when he walked into the Senate chamber, he had cops with him and they were talking with him and they were letting him in. They let him in. Well, you then follow the tapes from soup to nuts. He had a police escort walk, just like Ashley Babbitt, went past SWAT gear with ARs and was escorted like he was a head of state straight into the Senate, even said a prayer for the police. These are the pictures you've seen of January 6th. They're familiar because they've been playing on a loop on every media outlet in America for the last two years. There's a reason for that. But it turns out there's quite a bit of video you haven't seen. And that video tells a very different story about what happened on January 6th. More than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage from in and around the Capitol have been withheld from the public. And once you see the video, you'll understand why. Taken as a whole, the video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. In fact, it demolishes that claim. And that's exactly why the Democratic Party and its allies in the media prevented you from seeing it. By controlling the images you were allowed to view from January 6th, they controlled how the public understood that day. They could lie about what happened and you would never know the difference. Those lies had a purpose. They created a pretext for a federal crackdown on opponents of the Uniparty in Washington. Our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe that we could charge as many people as possible. 
The first thing you notice from viewing the full video record of January 6th is just how many people entered the Capitol building that day. Hundreds and hundreds of people, possibly thousands, over the course of about two hours. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. They're there because they believe the election was stolen from them. They believe in the system. Here's the man you've heard referred to as the QAnon shaman outside the Senate chamber. These are not rioters. These are people who wandered over from a political rally. We will not let them silence your voices. After the rally, they walked down Pennsylvania Avenue, where organizers had secured a federal permit to hold a legal rally on the grounds of the Capitol. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Once at the Capitol building, things began to get chaotic. Capitol police officers fired tear gas into the crowd. A few at the front of the herd broke windows. Someone opened the doors and many hundreds of others just walked in. We're gonna make that the story. Of course, they did make it the story. And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th, the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. He's a terrorist, they said. He should be killed. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if it, you burst into the United States, hey, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would you have shot him? Shoot him. Shoot him. It makes you wonder, who are the violent extremists here? Not Jacob Chansley. And the video proves that. But you would never have known from the media coverage. The people sitting in the chairs need to be sitting in a jail cell. Chansley is in a jail cell. 
he's been there for months. If he was in fact committing such a grave crime, why didn't the officers who were standing right next to him place him under arrest? Until now, no one could even prove that even happened, but it did. Are you surprised? I mean, for a moment of, of comparison, once again, before we get to the last section, which is Sisnik, these people I'm about to play, and it was my initial intro into this show. I was going to soapbox because I stumbled on some stuff about the Verizon girl. And I thought, you know, that's pretty fucked up shit, man. I mean, this lady is pretty fucked up. But the following people, a group that thinks Jesus is trans, uh, another tranny making a joke about Jesus, a teacher, and this girl doing a screed on TikTok about how much she loves refugees and abortions and everything. These are the good Americans, the media and the Democrats. These are the good people who persecute other Christians, treat Christians like shit, uh, are the violent ones burning stuff, who all got released after they damaged all sorts of property nationwide. These are the good people. You're not one of the good people. Because queer people, LGBTQIA+, predate any idea of God. We're present in the animal kingdom. You know, if you go prior to the Cambrian explosion, I'm sure there were two amoebas listening to Lady Gaga doing poppers and banging away. <laughs> so I think it's hilarious when someone messages me and says, you have to accept Jesus' love or you will burn in hell, because I love Jesus. I love any man who can get nailed for three days straight and come back for more. <laughs> <laughs> Got a question, Wal? Uh, not about that, no. <laughs> he didn't understand any of that. It's fair. I spoke very quickly. <laughs> a lot of people were asking in the comments of my last couple of videos about my anchor charts. So I'm going to take a minute to show you guys what I was talking about. Anchor chart is kind of just a teacher fancy word for poster. So here you can see a couple of other anchor charts that I have for mindfulness. Um, and then there at the top are my, my, my anchor charts about my pronouns. It says, my name is Mix Cogdill. My pronouns are Z, Zem, Zier, and Zeers. How to refer to Mix Cogdill. Mix C is my teacher. Z is multilingual. Students practice and speak Spanish with Zem. Zier Hobby is learning languages. Oh, um, wait, sorry, before you unfollow me, I um, just really want you to know that I also believe Black Lives Matter and that money should be allocated from the police into communities. And uh, climate change is real. Uh, universal health care is the answer. Um, I believe in removing money from politics. I have had an abortion um, and I support every birthing person's right to have one. Um, and what else? Oh, refugees are welcome here. I've been working for about the past eight years to make sure that 
refugees feel safer and have more of what they need in the world. Um, also, I believe people are inherently good inside and... Um, Hi, my name is Moana Weintrub and I'm an actress, comedian, performer of sorts, and I'm a refugee. My family came to America in 1989 from the Soviet Union to escape religious prosecution and we settled in Los Angeles. The only thing I knew that was different between me and my American friends is that my American friends had parents who could help them with their homework. Mine were just figuring out English themselves. So at four years old, I worked as the translator for my parents in exchange for them giving me life. Even though my parents couldn't help me, they always knew someone who had a kid that could help me. So I knew for math, I called Mariana. For biology, I called Joey. For literature, I would actually have to read the book. It was kind of like a system that we had. It was a network. It was a community. And as I got older and I met more people, my community kept growing. I learned that my community is actually the world and that the people that you think are so different from you are actually just people that you haven't met yet because when you do meet them you realize that we're all pretty much the same we all come from the same ape people we all are uh, trying to avoid pain trying to pursue love and pleasure and trying to be safe. I went to Lesbos to volunteer with the refugees last fall, which is a tiny island that's receiving two to three thousand refugees a day. I remember seeing a man uh, get off a raft and touch safe land for the first time in I don't know how long, but he kissed the ground. And it really, it made me think about how lucky we are do not have to think about our safety. Those are the democratically elected Americans. People who don't know what their gender is, people who think anybody who doesn't agree with them should be sent to re-education camps, people who think that the media is awesome. 100%. In fact, they're the people that think Chuck Todd is a conservative. Those are the good people. You're not the good people. And the Sisnik thing, we knew from jump it was a lie. They labeled the following video. It was labeled Sisnik. They knew he wasn't killed outside. But the media, the President of the United States, the Vice President, every Democrat carried the lie that Sisnik was gorded with a fucking fire extinguisher. And the funniest thing about all this is not as sad the guy died of a stroke. They martyred a Trump voter because that's the only person they could find that they could use as a martyr. Several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. 
The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie that Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol lied about the police officer they claimed to revere. If they were willing to do that, then their dishonesty knew no limits. And as you'll see in a moment, the dishonesty did know no limits. New surveillance video in just a minute, including new reporting on Ray Epps and what he was doing there and what he told investigators he was doing there and how it's contradicted by the video evidence. But first to assess what we just saw, Charlie Hurt of The Washington Times joins us now. Charlie, thanks so much for coming on. Great to see so you. if you think and, and you, you, you know, you've really got a feel uh, for Brian Sicknick, who's passed away, um, and you've got to wonder about anyone who would who who knew they knew that he was not murdered by the mob, but they've right. claimed it anyway for two years. And it takes a, a very low kind of person to do that, to lie about a man's death like that for political advantage. And this tape this tape proves that's exactly what they did. No, these people are truly sick. Uh, they're, they're uh, you know, you think you, you know, you think you know how sick they are, and then you see something like this, and you realize that there, uh, there is truly nothing, no body, uh, no event, nothing that they won't right. exploit. And as, as Joe Biden said, exactly. oh no, this is also about white supremacy, and and you know, nobody, uh, you know, nobody uh, comported themselves worse than the press did on this day, and of course, That's in the right. years afterwards. Um, and, and, and the best example of it is to look at the degree to which so many people in the press are so upset that you got the tapes to, and that you're going to release the tapes. I've never heard of this. I've, I've never, in all of my life, I've never known a press that didn't want information to be released. That's what we have been fighting for since the invent, invention of the, the printing press. And so, and now we have all these people, they're so committed to sort of the big lie that, that the government tells that they'll do anything, including, uh, you know, denigrating the name of a good police officer and trying to hide the truth uh, in order to sort of prop up this this propaganda. And, I, and you know, de the, the deadly insurrection is one of them. The other one that, that they that they love to talk about is the armed insurrectionists. And I remember at the time asking reporters at the time, you know, wh why do you keep calling these people armed insurrectionists when there's no evidence that anybody used any arms against it? And they said, well, they had flagpoles. So it's because people were walking around with American flags that made them armed insurrectionists. I, I should say for our viewers who don't know, you've been in journalism all your life. Your father was a journalist. You grew up in this business. And I, I agree with you. It's shocking to see how thoroughly it's been perverted into what it is now. To support the is, government. Right. Active defense of the people in charge. It's, it's yeah. shocking. Charlie Hurt, appreciate it. Thank you. Great to see you. Not even surprised. I'm not surprised about anything. Because when you, the day of, every media outlet starts running armed insurrection. To date, they've been proven there were no arms on the ground. You couldn't get there. They had metal detectors. He's the president of the United States. And they used flagpoles as the armed 
Instantaneously, the New York Times, after the lie had held, they had to recant. And it makes me once again say, what won't they do to hold power? The Democratic Party and the media together, I know they're the same thing, impeached a president twice for things other presidents did, including Obama, on live air, and Biden on air. We have the video saying he manipulated the Ukrainian court system. Used J6 for now three years when they burned down cities for a whole summer while they said that they were peaceful protests. They rigged an election by changing 80 voting laws and letting people just mail in votes without signature and address verifications. Time magazine was so brazen they even bragged about it and said they did it and were proud that they did it. They rigged a midterm by suppressing that the President of the United States once again had bad info that our media wouldn't talk about. They wouldn't talk about Hunter about 2020. They wouldn't talk about documents for 2022, but they talked about Trump the whole time. I mean, our media is so fucking brazen. This is CNN. The most trusted name in news talking about mentions of Trump on Fox. You know, look, as you pointed out, Jim, that's an unscientific poll. But let me give you some scientific numbers that we've sort of seen uh, over the last uh, few months, uh, dating back to last year and the trend lines that we've seen. Look at this. I think there are two things to take a take from this graphic. Number one is that Donald Trump's poll numbers fell from June of October. June, October of 2022, when he was at 52% to 41% immediately following the election, right? That's not a big surprise. A lot of uh, Trump-backed Republican candidates did poorly in the midterm elections, and I think Republicans turned against him, while DeSantis rose from 23% to 31%. But look what's happened in the first two months of this year. What have we seen? We've seen Donald Trump kind of rise again from that 41%, then he's to 43% in January, then to 44% in February, and his advantage over Ron DeSantis, which was 10 points at the end of last year has now risen back up to 15 points. It's not the same level that it was in the middle of last year when it was about 30 points, but still 15 points is higher than 10 points. And Jim, there's nobody else who's anywhere close. Everybody else is in the mid to maybe high single digits. So at this particular point, Donald Trump is the favorite for the Republican nomination in 2024. That's just what the numbers say, Jim. And there doesn't seem to be anybody at this point, maybe Ron DeSantis, who is anywhere near front runner's uh, status at this point. And I, Harry, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, how often do candidates polling like Trump uh, right now win the primary? I mean, uh, he did this back in 2016, where he was pretty far out in front for much of that process and ended up being the nominee. So for folks who were saying, oh, it's early uh, and that's true. Uh, or, oh, you know, somebody else might knock him off that pedestal. I mean, they I mean, might not that might not happen. I mean, Trump may run the table this this entire process. Yeah, you know, Jim, I'll point out that Trump is actually in a stronger position than he he was uh, uh, during this point in 2024. Or excuse me, in the 2016 season. But more than that, 
More than that, here's what I'll point out. I will point out that people in Trump's position have won about 75% of the time in competitive primaries since 1972. Now, when you have someone uh, in Ron DeSantis's position and someone in Trump's position, people in Trump's position have won about two-thirds of the time, a little bit less. But still, two-thirds of the time to 75% of the time is pretty gosh darn good. So at this particular point, look, is Trump the heavy favorite? No, but he is the clear favorite. And that's what I think I would take away from the numbers we were just looking at, Jim. And Trump won the, I mean, I covered the Trump campaign in 2016. He won that nomination, uh, crowding out his opponents for press coverage. Um, how is that looking now? I mean, if you look at the way the CPAC has been covered, if, I mean, we're looking at video right now, people walking around and uh, Trump 45 uh, T-shirts. We were showing hats earlier that said that he won, which of course is not the case. It's all. It just seems to be all Trump all the time, almost in the Republican Party right now. When you look it at the is. coverage. I yeah. yeah, I mean, look, look at the Fox News mentions over the last few yeah. months. What do we see? We see that Donald Trump is far and away getting the most mentions on Fox News. Look at that. Over 2,000 of Ron DeSantis's, just 721 from January to February of 2003. And more than that, Trump is picking up an increasing share of the mentions. So it's not just that he's well ahead, but he's actually gaining. And to me, this is the exact formula Trump wants to sort of crowd out the competition and maintain the poll number leads that he currently has. All right, Harry Enten, uh, great stuff as always. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. How fucking hypocritical can you be? You can't go to media and not have on the front page at least three Trump stories. The op-ed pages, the New York Times, WAPO, CNN, MSDNC are all Trump all the time. Every weekend, MTP does a Trump story. They have ignored trail derailment, derailments, the mental fitness of this president, the the documents that they never got raided, but Pence and Trump did. I mean, fuck me. What won't the media lie about? I was just blocked by Brian Seltzer because I asked him, what about COVID? You said it was a conspiracy. Where is your tweet? He blocked me because he knows I'm right. Just... COVID, if you take it out of politics, the Democrats initially said you weren't going to take the vax because Trump made it and he couldn't get it done. The company that founded it wouldn't release it before the election because they didn't want Trump to win. Then they released it. Then the Dems said you have to take it. They blocked people from going to school. They blocked people from jobs. They got millions of people ruined with their lockdowns. They lied, don't wear the mask, and they lied that the mask will make sure you don't transmit, which is a total fucking lie. They said the vaccine would stop you from getting COVID and transmitting COVID. Then we find out it actually gives people COVID. We find out the masks don't do fucking shit. And we find out that they took down the VIRS data because they knew the vaccine was fucking people up. That's just COVID. We don't know shit. Just like Obama with planes of cash to Iran. We don't even know where this money's going to Ukraine. And and to find out that we're getting shoehorned and we're giving all this stuff and it ain't even going to be there till 2024. How long are we going to give 30 billion tranches of money? And where's the money going? It's our money. It's not theirs. We pay for it. 
Everybody listening here paid taxes last year. You didn't get all your money back. I'm fucking unemployed and I didn't get all my money back. I don't even have a fucking job. And I paid taxes. Because a retirement pension in the military gets taxed like a retirement account. Hi, I am single zero and I still have to pay taxes every year. If you take anything from this, I don't give a fuck. It was Tucker who got the information. I don't give a fuck. The entire show trial was a lie and they aired it wall to wall and they strung it out to make sure it helped them in the midterm. Media conducted it, produced it, and now they won't even cover Hunter Biden laptop, COVID, FBI. Do you really think those Antifa guys are going to go to jail? No. The DOJ is still going after pro-life people. Christians, Catholics, parents, they're the terrorists. So more to follow on this. I'll keep capturing it just so I can rant about it. Let's do our top six. First one's Michael Knowles. This is pretty fucking hilarious because Democrats actually say we need to be reeducated, exterminated, Megan needs to be, the president said Megan needs to be exterminated. And the media said he was talking about the idea, not the people. Well, Michael Knowles said that the transgender ideology needs to be eradicated, and everybody says he meant the people. There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it's true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it, especially since that indulgence requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology at every level. One of the trans activist Fruit Loops. When do you want to take the threat of Republican fascism seriously before the Republicans seize control of the government to spend the Constitution? The Germans and the Italians went for after, worked out great for them. That's not English. Across the country in our federal legislature, Republicans are introducing bills that ban the Democratic Party, give the death penalty to women who get abortions, and abolish key government agencies that protect and defend our national security. Oh, that's a fucking lie. Optimism Optimism bias is so powerful. I've read diaries from Jews in Warsaw ghetto still incapable of believing the scope of Nazi cruelty, even after losing their homes, being forced to wall themselves in the ghetto, and while walking over the corpses of starvation victims. The point is not that the Republicans can't pass many of these anti-American policies today. The point is that they aspire to pass them. Republicans represent about half of the voting America. Republicans already have the means 
Total information lock on the political right via their propaganda outlets. Jesus fucking Christ, you're delusional. And mother motive gaslight themselves into believing they face existential threat. To seize total power, all they need is the opportunity presidency. If you're still on team, it ain't the bad. I sincerely urge you to read about the rise of the Third Reich and the Google optimism bias. And that just sums up the left. They own every outlet. They own everything. But it's not enough. It's never enough. They don't want opposing views. Every one of the bills doesn't do anything to the woman doing the abortion. It punishes the person doing the abortion. Every bill is just to stop transing the fucking kids. Something 70% of America agrees with. Only you guys want to turn them into activists. Our next slide, our song, sound bite, let me get it out of my mouth, is Bernie. Now, remember, Bernie couldn't become president of the United States because Bernie was too extreme. But now the left has gone so far fast, Bernie, he can't even explain what equity means. Are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes. Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that we didn't hear it a lot, and I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality, that yeah. like it's the same word, and it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about, uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think... I think so. I think that's okay. Right. So, which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. Once again, one of the great things that the left gets to get away with, and people just always forget is they can just make shit up and keep making it up. I mean, what do you think trans ideology is? It's just made up shit. They keep changing it and altering it and moving it to mean something else to silence you. It's all about silencing you. You need to shut the fuck up and not have an opinion. We then get Sununu and who is the guy? Um, Mondaire Jones. And the Sununu is bashing Chuck Todd for the lack of coverage on Bidengate. And then former Congressman Mondaire Jones pretty much saying that... Uh, Everybody's a Nazi who's running for president. Eventually, it's going to fuck you up because everybody can't just be a Nazi. That can't be what you run with all the time because it's absurd. But it's our media. It's CNN. These are ex-Republicans he's talking with. Of course, everybody's a Nazi. That's now the new racist. What do you think Rupert Murdoch and Fox News need to do to regain some trust? Uh, after what we've learned about this, and are you 
at all concerned you can have an honest conversation with Fox viewers? Oh, oh, I don't think it's just Fox. I, I mean, I'll put them in there, but all of media, all of television media, and everyone has to own a little bit uh, of the lack of trust, the lack of accountability. It's okay to get something wrong in the news, but you got to come back and own it. And yep. whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or, or you know, whatever, everyone just has to own it. As a governor, I might try four or five things, and if one or two don't work, I'll say, hey, that didn't work. What about intentionally lying it, to viewers? We can acknowledge it. We can pay yeah. the funding. Intentionally lying to viewers, though, that, that to me well, seemed to cross look, the line. You can make a mistake, but that's, that wasn't a mistake. So explain to me that, uh, look, I'm not defending anybody because I think you're all, you're all in the same basket. I really do. But I could go to CNN when they talk, when they're going to ignore the, the Hunter Biden laptop story. We could talk about the virus coming, truly coming out of the lab in Wuhan. We could talk about a lot of different things. If you're not owning that you misrepresented the story, whether it was intentional or not, yeah. uh, everybody does it. And that's the problem. America is losing faith in media. And you guys have right. a huge opportunity to regain that. But right now, my message to yeah. Fox News is build your ratings, build your audience, yep. go bigger. Because if we don't go bigger as a Republican Party, we can't win in November. So I want them to talk to independents more, not change our values or who we are yep. or what we're talking about as Republicans, but get more uh, opportunity. To, to, to be sure, nothing is good about the fact that the modern day Republican Party uh, has this person as its standard bearer. But and is you, this but, weak? But if you believe, as, right? as I believe, that whether the nominee is Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or even Nikki Haley, that that would pose an existential threat to democracy itself, which is what we've seen with the opposition of voting rights and the election denialism and so many other things, then you're happy that Donald Trump will be the easiest person to defeat on that side. You say that now. I, 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 I believe we're hearing what's going to happen. It doesn't matter who the Republicans nominate. That person's going to be called everything that they would call Donald Trump, whether it's DeSantis or anybody else. Democrats always do this. George W. Bush, Mitt Romney, John McCain, Donald Trump. They were all monsters. They, they, were, oh, all, yep. they were all history's greatest monsters. That's right. And the only good Democrat, or the only good Republican, I guess, is a dead or defeated one. Well, let's because that's when the praise starts. Yeah. Liz, but if you, if you Liz, really Liz, believe what you say, then you would be happy about let's the rise start, of the and our final, because we didn't do the only six, because we have a bunch inside these little chumps, uh, chunks, or tranches, the Biden administration. We are going to play a montage of CPAC is evil. Uh, Betchloss with the Mussolini, uh, Asian lady, it's actually white Christian nationalism is actually anti-black. Um, PBS, CPAC, a hotbed of white grievance. I understand your passion. Painfully awkward moment ensues after embassy sec guests call CPAC a gathering of sexual predators. It's very interesting how they cover CPAC because we never get to get into the Democrat think tanks. Oh, yeah, we do. It's our media. In recent weeks, some other would-be candidates, like DeSantis, have targeted suburban voters who recently departed the GOP with a tough-on-crime message. But for the audience at CPAC, the focus on anti-LGBTQ, anti-transgender, and a false belief that K-12 schools teach college-level race and ethnic studies resonated the most. There's been a lot of focus in the past couple years on some really important issues like critical race theory and classrooms and the overall content that they're teaching in schools. That stuff's important. Woke. Woke is divisive and... What is woke? 
woke. That's where I've got the critical race theory. You got all the the other. The, the woke is broad. I mean, I, it's, to me, it's the critical race theory, the bathroom thing. But the even more dangerous thing, Stacey and Michael, is that, you know, people who try to get a nomination in parties, you know, do it by trying to appeal to what they think will work. Well, look what Rick DeSantis has done in Florida. He was known as sort of a nondescript uh, political leader, member of Congress. Suddenly, he really has tried to turn himself into sort of a local Mussolini in Florida with the book banding and the br brutal tactics. And even this week, this suggestion that bloggers have to register with the state for the honor of writing about the governor and other, other political leaders. We have to call this what this is. This is fascism and authoritarianism that goes even beyond what Trump has talked about. That's what he thinks is gonna work in that party and in a way that- About CPAC. Let's be clear what anti-woke means. It's anti-black. And I think people are very reluctant to say it, but I don't mince any words. And that's the truth. That's their way of, you know, sounding the dog whistle without being ex extremely explicit. And let's also not ignore the fact that CPAC has become a gathering of sexual predators. Let's be honest, Matt Schlapp, the chairman, was sued for $10 million for um, allegedly groping a male staffer on the Herschel Walker campaign. And then he shares the stage with Jim Jordan, who allegedly covered up sex crimes at Ohio State. And then he was followed by Matt Gates, who was just investigated by the FBI for teen sex trafficking. And then he was followed by Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's an adulteress. And then Lauren Boebert, who brags about carrying a Glock around Congress and just this week threatened to blow up metal detectors. And then finally, tonight, we have Trump, a serial rapist. And so this is the party that claims to be the party of Christian family values. And I had nothing to say or do but laugh at that. I just I just want to be clear here, though, you know, that it's important to put out there. We, we understand the accusations that have been made against, of course, um, the former president, um, Lindy. And of course, I understand your passion in this topic as well. But I want to be clear, of course, that that none of that has actually rung true um, as of yet. Just they've all been accusations um, so far. Lindy Lee, thank you. Susan Del Percio, um, thank you as well. Man, that's some rough ass shit right there. So to some sound bites on the president himself, you're going to have Donna Brazil going off and lying that it was MTG that stopped the D.C. let the police go to hell bullshit. Him talking about the military, and I don't know why it's not viral, and the 20 times Biden has lied about being a civil rights activist when he never was. But he's the number one form right now. I want to say something about home rule. Huge mistake. Huge mistake by the president. Mistake? Absolutely. Let me tell you why. I, I, I sat down because Chris Christie told me about this a couple of months ago. The D.C. Code is old. It was written in 1901. There, in, in some areas, there are no penalties for sexual assault. There's only three months w when you beat up a police officer. So while I understand that some Republicans want to show they're tough on crime by beating up on the District of Columbia, we deserve statehood. We deserve to, to, to get it right. And this was a process that took 16 years. It was evaluated by criminal justice experts. It was evaluated by the D.C. Council and the D.C. residents. And all of a sudden, 
Marjorie Taylor Greene and a few others have decided that this is the issue where they want to pick on the District of Columbia. There's a re and it makes a big difference to tell the American people the truth about what our options are in ending this war. If tomorrow the order goes out from the pre I'm president of the United States, I issue an order, end the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do you hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. When I marched in the Civil Rights Movement, I did not march with a 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. And we changed attitudes. He lied to voters, according to the New York Times, uh, quoting aides of, of Biden's, about having marched in the civil rights movement. I got involved in the civil rights movement. I got involved in desegregated movie theaters. They organized voter registration drives. From the time I got involved as a high school kid in the civil rights movement. But I was a kid involved in the civil rights movement, desegregating restaurants and movie theaters in my state. From the time I got involved as a kid in the civil rights movement. Sit-ins and desegregating restaurants. And I got involved in the civil rights movement uh, just as a kid. And that's why I got so deeply involved in my community with the civil rights movement. When I sat in black churches on the east side of Wilmington getting ready to, and by the way, next to Jewish, two Jewish rabbis, uh, getting ready to go out and desegregate movie theaters in Delaware. I came out of the civil rights movement. I started off in the black churches and we'd go from there to desegregate movie theaters. For real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. From the time I've been 18 years old, I've been involved in causes from the civil rights movement. Got involved in the civil rights movement and desegregating restaurants, that kind of thing. Coming out of the civil rights movement and being involved in the Jewish community as a kid in the civil rights movement. I got involved in the civil rights movement. Get ready to go out and desegregate restaurants and movie theaters. That's what got me involved in civil rights as a kid. I got very engaged in my case, the civil rights movement. Quote, more than once, advisors had gently reminded Mr. Biden of the problem with this formulation. He had not actually marched during the civil rights movement. And more than once, Mr. Biden assured them that he understood and kept telling the story anyway. That is really, really weird. This headline is from The Atlantic. Why is he attacking democracy? Because he got involved with the police. They're the same people that said the closing argument for democracy was to elect Joe Biden. So what does he have to do? In Selma, Biden says civil right, voting rights remain under assault. Oh, really? So here is his speech, a CNN hit and an MSDNC hit with Reverend I Hate White People Sharpton. Tomorrow I will be in Selma, Alabama for the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. It's hard to believe just three years ago, I walked the Edmund Pettus Bridge for the last time with my late friend, Georgia Congressman John Lewis, who was there at the original march in 1965, at the beginning of a long life of public service. He had already been an organizer and a freedom writer. But back in March of 2020, 
The pandemic hadn't even started. George Floyd was still alive and the 2020 election was still months away. A lot has changed since then, but at the same time, we're still fighting some of the same battles that were raging when Congressman Lewis was still alive. President Biden will be on hand tomorrow to call for new protections of voting rights that are under attack in many states across the country. In a few hours, President Biden will travel to Selma, Alabama to commemorate 58 years since hundreds of young black activists, including the late John Lewis, courageously marched across the city's Edmund Pettus Bridge and into history. They were brutally beaten and tear gassed, all for the right to vote. This visit marks Biden's third trek to Selma's annual remembrance, but it is his first as president of the United States. And ahead of today's speech, he used the White House's bully pulpit to send a clear message about history. It's important to say from the White House for the entire country to hear history matters. History matters and black history matters. Look, I can't just choose to learn what we want to know. We learn what we should know. We have to learn everything, the good, the bad, the truth, and who we are as a nation. As I come here in commemoration, not for show, Selma is a reckoning. The right to vote, the right to vote, to have your vote counted, is the threshold of democracy and liberty. With it, anything's possible. Without it, without that right, nothing is possible. And this fundamental right remains under assault. We must remain vigilant. In January, I signed the Electoral Count Reform Act to protect the will of the people and the people transfer and the peaceful transfer of power. We know that we must get the votes in Congress to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. I made it clear, I will not let a filibuster obstruct the sacred right to vote, the right of any other right to vote from there. And that's why we follow the world that you all have, the words of Dr. King. He said, give us the ballot, we will place judges on the bench who will do justly. Led by Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, and more black women appointed to the federal appellate court than every other president in history has done. We're about to do that. That's the well they'll always go to. It's always about voter suppression, even though they're rigging the vote so that people can vote without doing anything correctly, including signatures. So that'll take us into a military corner really quick. To prove that I'm not making up, we're not going to get our shit forever. Your first video you're going to see is all the stuff waiting to go overseas to Ukraine. And then you'll see in a warning of a badass getting a Congressional Medal of Honor. And you'll hear me scream about it on the other side.
This is how our media carried it. Black. Black. And they try to insinuate that it was because he was black he didn't get the award. One of my heroes is Tony Francis Cortez. His paperwork was dumped by somebody who just didn't like him. Congressional Medal of Honors are very political, and people don't want other people to get it because they're all jealous about it. So it had nothing to do with his race, but of course, they make it about race because that's what everything's about. VA to look at racial disparities and claims decision. Well, you know, it's very interesting that nowhere on it does it have your race. Nowhere. But all we are is woke. There's the Army. Oh, I guess I didn't get the picture. There it is. Army Environmental Restoration Program from Contaminated Land. Millions of dollars getting dumped. Army boss. Mission persuades schools to welcome recruiters. Which I don't know how you get them to welcome them. Veterans and others who helped in Afghanistan evacuation honored at White House. Isn't that fucking sad that they had to honor them because they couldn't do their own damn job? An Air Force captain was court-martialed for hanging up the phone, but it didn't actually go to court-martial because, let's be honest, it's not a thing. And then something I missed was that Tom Cotton was a rockasan. And there was dispute about him saying he was a ranger. Well, he was ranger qualified, and here's him defending himself. Senator, uh, I just have a few seconds left, but I do want to try to give you an opportunity to straighten something out. Um, were, were you straightforward um, with voters about your military service? You're a decorated veteran, uh, but there's a story, a couple of stories popping up about you saying that you were an Army Ranger. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Um, I graduated from the Ranger School. I wore the Ranger tab in combat with the 101st Airborne in Iraq. This is not about my military record. This is about my politics. Ranger Regiment legends like General Scotty Miller or General Craig Nixon have used the term to describe both alumni of the Ranger Regiment and graduates of the Ranger School, as did the Secretary of the Army, as did most of my buddies in the Army, as did most of the liberal media until a conservative veteran was using the term in that way. But if some people disagree, that's fine. I respect their views. But what's most important, I respect the service of all Rangers and indeed all soldiers who volunteered to serve our country. Well, thank you for your service, and I wanted to give you a chance to clear that up. Uh, Senator, thanks for the time. Thank you, Brett. They will lionize fucking Kerry, a war protester, Blumenthal, a liar, and Kinziger, a National Guardsman. Butcher Dog Cotton, because he's got the wrong letter behind his name. Five bizarre superstition U.S. troops believe in their rations. I had to cover this because there's so many weird things in here. Why? Oh, I got to log in. That's weird. Here we go. Black-eyed peas. This is one of the oldest food-related superstitions. It dates back to the Civil War. Legend has the Union troops raided a Confederate food supply during Sherman's march to the sea, but left the black-eyed peas. Maybe the Union thought they were gross. No matter what the reason, the rebels felt the peas were lucky, mostly because they actually got to eat some food. The luck of the black-eyed peas evolved since then, with some believing you have to eat exactly 365 of these beans. Yes, they're beans. To get a good luck year. 
Cigarettes, one considered crucial to American fighting men, have sadly gone the way of a daily rum ration. Cigarettes disappeared from rations 75, but their legacy is a long, long one. For as long as they were included in saying among U.S. troops, was never light three cigarettes from the same match. Ham and lima beans. This is a dish the U.S. military actually thought troops could enjoy eating, so it was included in both sea rations and MREs. Admittedly, this meal entered rash kits during the Korean War at a time when civilians were mixing canned tuna with jello, so I guess it could have been worse. By the time the Vietnam War, soldiers and Marines hated it so much they wanted nothing to do with it. They called the food stuff ham and motherfuckers. Like some kind of culinary verboten, just saying its true name was supposed to be bad luck. Um, I love that. I never got an MRE. Apricots. Any kind of apricots. Like the ham and you know what? A couple of sea rations and MCIs included halved apricots as part of the meal. During World War II, tankers began to notice that every time one of their tanks would break down, they always seemed to have a can of apricots on board. Tankers and drivers of armored vehicles began to suspect the little sweet fruit was a bad thing. And then of charms. To you, charms might be just a roll of subpar fruit flavor candies. To Marines, though, it's choose your own adventure of potential death. And we've covered that on the show, which is really fucking awesome. Um, I'm going to play now a great little thing. I hope it has sound. It does. Uh, a Rockasan vignette done by 18th Airborne Corps. So today we're out here at Port Charleston. Um, our unit, 3rd Brigade, is getting ready for JRTC. Uh, we're currently at the railhead downloading uh, our rolling stock to be then prepared to put onto the vessels that will be transported down to our training area. So I think this Seadry is a great opportunity for our unit to test its preparation skills and its readiness development as we kind of look ahead into training that we have into the future. It provides us an opportunity to test every single logistical asset that we have, as well as the lowest unit's readiness when it comes to preparing rolling stock, sensitive items, uh, hazmat, and unit movement operations from one place to another. Last but not least, before we go into This is America, you know, they don't want to address the fact that nobody wants to be in a woke military, and when the media only covers the trans soldiers and nobody else, it's not very good and something people don't want to sign up for anymore. So, they're deciding to dig back in the well, and they're going to reenact or re-initiate re, uh, Be All You Can Be as their slogan. It will take you into our This Is America, the worst video I saw this week, and it's pretty self-explanatory when you see it. 
What does it mean when people say America is a land of opportunity? It means we strive to be a nation of limitless possibilities. Exploring those possibilities isn't just an inclination. It's our greatest strength, the power to discover. To redefine yourself. To improve yourself. To challenge yourself. To challenge yourself. To challenge yourself. To realize there's more in you than you ever knew that you could do. To be all you can be. To be all you can be. It means never assuming something can't be done. And if it's the right thing to do, never stopping until you achieve it. That's how the U.S. Army has succeeded since the founding of this country. Since the founding of this country. Giving people an open field to explore what they do best. With the best tools. The best training. The best technology in the world. The possibilities really are endless. And the world sees that. It's what we fight for every day. Every day. Every day. Seeing those possibilities then going out and achieving them. That's winning. And we all know that winning matters. Having possibilities matters. It's what makes every soldier swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. America was built on embracing possibilities. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. We bring out the best in the people who serve. Because America calls for nothing less. So you can be all you can be. 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 This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. That was San Francisco, and those are three simultaneously or simultaneous ODs, one street, and it says everything you need to know about liberal cities. It kind of sums up the podcast. These people are good. They're not going to have hearings. There's not going to be an Antifa hearing to go over all the cities that were destroyed, the federal buildings, the police precincts. None of that's just going to be reviewed. We're going to keep doing J6 for fucking ever. It was the worst thing ever since the Big Bang. I mean, I don't know how many more analogies they can come up with. But it's just... It's not surprising when you see the Tucker videos. I mean, it was pretty obvious. If there was armed insurrectionists, if they were killing cops, they would have played the video, but they never did. And once again, nothing about J6 was good. Trump's speech was fucking stupid to do at the Capitol. I don't fault anybody who went to the rally because whether people want to agree or not, the majority of Americans, including Democrats I've talked about, thought the election was pretty fishy with 81 million votes and we stopped counting at the same time because of water breaks and suitcases. Once people saw that, they go, oh, this is kind of squirrely. Even the movie that I can't get my hands on where they show all these mules 
I think it was 22 mules or 200 mules or whatever the fuck it was called. That, that video was out there. It was really squirrely. It wasn't normal. That's not what a, a free and fair election looks like. But it's what we do. You look at Arizona. Nobody wanted that lady winning. So what happened? Well, the paperwork didn't work and the machine tabulators broke and they knew it. They, they designed it that way because with the mail-in, same-day vote doesn't matter. They don't want same-day vote because it's considered mostly Republicans. So they're getting their votes. Fuck you. And most of these polling stations are run by Facebook, for fuck's sake. So they don't fucking care. They just don't fucking care. So it wasn't smart. But it wasn't the worst day since 9-11 January or December 7th, 1940 fucking one or any of these other battle 1812, you name their analogy. It wasn't bad and it wasn't an armed insurrection. It wasn't even an insurrection. They didn't try to overthrow. It was a disorganized bunch of jackasses that have proven part of them were Antifa, part of them were FBI agents, and they did a really poor job. But the crux of it is nobody secured the Capitol. They knew it was coming. The police chief, the only one that's objective in the Washington, D.C. police department, said he kept asking for help. They kept saying no, and Nancy Pelosi brought a fucking film crew the day of. She wanted it to be documented. So she could say, I'm going to punch him right in the face. The instantaneous arm insurrection talking bite that ever or sound bite that every fucking media ran with at the same time is pretty obvious. They wanted this. They needed this. They needed a boogeyman. They needed something to ring the Capitol and keep talking about white supremacy. Even though there were black people, Latino people, gay people. It was a mass of humanity. There was a shitload of people there. It just wasn't a bunch of white rebel motherfuckers. The black guy that broke in, who was a film crew for NBC and was a leader of an Antifa cell, he was black as shit, motherfucker. So it clearly couldn't be just white supremacists there. And that video, when it broke, was the key to me going, this is all bullshit. When the NBC person said, we did it. An NBC producer. We did it. They wanted this. They needed something. They had to tit for tat what their thugs do every goddamn month in America. Blocking traffic, protesting bullshit. They needed the lie. The only way for Biden to be able to continue doing un- constitutional shit was to have a state of emergency and COVID was waning. They didn't have that anymore, even though they still say we're in emergency till May, right? It's not surprising. But as a independent, non-mega veteran, that motherfucking shit pisses me off. I am so sick of the lies out of the Democrat media cabal from Russiagate to Biden's laptop to Biden documents to J6 to the 2020 election to the 2022 election. I mean, if you haven't watched some of the videos from the court hearings, 
that failed to indict anything because they were they don't want it to go to court for Arizona it is it's shocking Obama tested the waters of rigging elections with the IRS thing it was stupid they were going to win cuz nobody really held him responsible for Benghazi. They held Hillary responsible. They were going to win, but they didn't think they're going to win, so they rigged it. But you go back to 2016, and it's blatantly obvious every institution we have is woke. They let Hillary get away with fucking a shitter server. The media let her get away with calling... Latinx now is what they call them. They called them taco bowls there. Taco bowls. That's kind of racist. It's our media. They believe everything they're spouting. Because they believe you're evil. You don't do what they say. You don't vote the way Chuck Todd tells you to vote and Brian Seltzer. You don't believe that everything coming out that you hear that makes total common sense from COVID to J6 isn't dis or misinformation. You, you believe there's a grain of truth in there. And when the media and the Democrats suppress so much information and Twitter gets involved and Facebook, fuck it becomes glaringly apparent what you're getting fed is a lie. It's obvious it's a lie. They closed their hearing saying they just wanted to keep the focus on Trump. And the media was fine with that because they don't want him to run for election again. Neither do I. But we live in a free country. We used to live in a country where all the information was put out and you get to decide. You're the voter. You're supposed to be in charge, but it's clearly obvious since they lost a 2016 election when the most qualified candidate ever to run for president didn't win, you're no longer in charge. They can't trust you, so they must rig it all. They must cook the algorithms. They must make sure things that come into feed have context. They must have fact checkers that work for them to say everything that's true now is a lie. It's like we said the last, how many people got lost jobs, lost social media status for saying J6 was full of shit? And now we see the video that they wouldn't release because it went against their agenda. Holy shit. They were right. They were fucking right. It was a dog and pony show. They just needed a boogeyman. They lost the best boogeyman they ever had. Because it's waning now. They're going to keep blaming Trump. and They're going to keep, like that stupid video I played about mentions. They mention Trump on CNN and MSDNC, ABC, NBC, and CBS more than they ever mention Biden. They ignore Biden. Because they know Biden's not good. He's mentally not well. He doesn't articulate good. But he's a good fucking front Trojan horse to get all the woke shit they ever wanted. They get it through him. He's just an old man. 
And they believe that people look at him and go, well, if he thinks that it's got to be true. But if you're a free thinker and you actually do just a little bit of research and go around Google, CNN, MSDNC, and the mainstream networks, you find the truth. And the truth is usually the exact opposite of what we're being told by the cabal. A democracy can't function like that. It just won't work. Eventually, right-wingers are going to start doing what left-wingers do. Of course, it'll be covered. It'll be horrible. They'll get convicted. But things will get out of hand. Once you feel that you're not, or or you feel you're disenfranchised and you don't have a say, you become desperate. The left does it because the media and Democrats say it all the time. That's all they ever say. They're still saying Georgia's got voter suppression and they had more people vote than they've ever had. The laws that they passed made it easier to vote. The don't say gay bill was what the constituents wanted. The woke bill is what the constituents wanted. The abortion in the red states are what the constituents want. But the more you say that those are taking people's rights away and you ratchet it up, the more violent the left gets. Because that's all they have to get the people to vote for them. Because even they know their policies don't do shit. They don't fix three ODs on the same sidewalk at the same time. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family friends. Go to Flyover Politic on SoundCloud, on Rumble 482467, and go to foppodcast at gmail.com to tell me to go fuck myself. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. We'll go with a 10 March Year of Our Lord. 2023 podcast. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. Uh.